Hello, hello, hello everyone. This is The Big Radical and thank you very much for joining me. We talk about absolutely everything here from life, love, business, embarrassing moments, things I wish I knew when I was younger, what kinds of foods give you a beautiful booty, house therapy going, and so much more. Let's unpack all this together. I am Erin Robinson. Let's get radical. So my little radicals, before I got into real estate, real estate was one of those occupations that I had thought about a lot throughout high school. And, but it wasn't something that I necessarily had the confidence in. A lot of the mainstream TV shows like Million Dollar Listing and those type of real estate shows really started to come out around the 2007 to 2009 mark. And that was kind of when I graduated in 2007 from high school. And real estate was always something I wanted to do. I've loved design. When I worked with my dad, him being a contractor, when I worked with him younger, I always found I was able to walk into an empty space and see what it could be rather than what it was. And that was basically something that I looked at as a career choice. However, when you get out of high school and you really have no work experience and you don't know if you want to go back to school or take a year off or whatnot, all your friends are your age, how many of your friends at the age of 18 are buying homes? None. And that was a big hurdle for me, as well as like talking with parents and uh, family and friends. It was very much like, well, Aaron, you're too young. Like, who are you going to sell to? And that was a big hurdle for me. So I did not end up going into real estate. It was always something that was in the back of my mind. I ended up working for the city of Edmonton, worked my way up that little management ladder. And that's what I did for 16 years. And then there was that switch where I said, is this all? Am I essentially just going to be a pool bitch for the rest of my life or until I retire? What more is there for me? And, you know, I had a lot of friends. Actually, I had one girlfriend and she had just gotten her real estate license and she had started. And I honestly don't think I know that was kind of the kick in the ass that I kind of got that was like, well, you know, she can do it. I can do it. And I think I have a great personality for it. People just love me or I think anyways. So I took my license and that was essentially how I got into real estate. There are a lot of things I wish I knew before getting into real estate, finishing my course and really hitting the ground running. There are a lot of processes that I feel like I tried to cheap out on because like when you start any type of self-employment job, entrepreneur, anything of not working for somebody else, there is a lot of risk that comes with that. And you end up putting a lot of your ducks in your own basket. You end up betting on yourself. You put your money into yourself. And you know, that is a very hard and overwhelming thing to do as well as even think about at that time. And actually, if you listen to my last podcast with Kristen on the one book, that one book was created to help people with the overwhelming feeling of every day of entrepreneurship, of all that stuff. And that was very much where I kind of felt was starting a business and you have to spend all this money. It was very overwhelming. So like anybody trying to save a penny and do it right, you cheap out on some things, you go hard on some other things. One big thing for me that I wish I knew was 
everyone around me, including my husband and family, everyone said, you know what, Aaron, you can self-fund this. You can grow this organically. Do not go to a bank. Do not take out a loan. And you don't need to take out a big loan or even a super small loan. But everyone told me not to. And that was where my mindset went into this cheap mode of, okay, I want to do this, but I don't want to pay that price. So maybe I'm going to take a little bit more on my plate to myself and I'm going to overwhelm myself a little bit more so that I can save three, four, five hundred dollars and not have someone else do it. Marketing was that for me. If I would have started real estate and somebody would have just looked at me and said, you know what, Aaron, you're going to start and you're going to be great. But just know you're going to have to spend some tens of thousands of dollars on marketing because marketing is so big. If someone just really sat me down and s said that to me, I wish someone did. And the reason I say that is I went through four years of being like, I can do this marketing thing on my own. I can do this on my own. I can record my own. I can do it. I can edit. Also that I saved a couple, couple thousand dollars. Now, I look at it now that my business is growing and my goals are growing. I look at it very much from an aspect of what can I do and what is a better worth of my time? To save $2,000 or a thousand bucks or whatever you're spending on whatever project you are doing, is it going to save you more money in time passing it off to somebody else so that you can focus your energy in it? different area to getting clients to more of that in-person networking to allow somebody to do this for you. I was very much like, nope, I'm going to do it myself. Honestly, if somebody just looked at me and said, pass it off, Aaron, it will stress you out for the first little bit. But the second you pass it off, you can focus your time and energy into other things. Marketing was a very big thing for me because marketing marketing is expensive it costs a lot but if you do it right and you go through the right channels and you have the right team behind you your marketing can basically explode your business tenfold overnight by showing people different content about yourself and what you're selling and what you're doing in your life so marketing was a big thing for me i want to talk about sphere because when I got out of high school and when I was just talking, I made a comment about I didn't have a sphere or people asked me what my sphere is. Now, as a realtor, I feel like we talk about our sphere of influence so much that I feel like everyone just knows what your sphere is. But a lot of people don't understand what your sphere is. And a lot of younger people getting to the industry don't understand. So what your sphere of influence is, the people that are immediately around you that you talk to on a regular basis. This can be family, this can be friends, this can be acquaintances, it can be work colleagues from a part-time job or even a full-time job. We are actually gonna talk about doing real estate and having another job at the same time. But these are all influences of your sphere. These are all people that maybe you don't influence like an actual influencer, but you have some type of influence on their day of life, on their emotions, your best friends, your family, you have some type of influence on these people. So when I say, when you start real estate, your first place you need to look is your sphere of influence. You're going to really network and connect with your family, your friends, your old work colleagues, your new work colleagues. That is your sphere. When you are 18 or 19 coming out of high school 
and you watch all these real estate shows and you're like, oh, damn, I'm going to be a million dollar listing agent. And you go and take your license. And I've seen this happen so many times to new agents. They think that that TV show is reality. And that TV show is not reality. It may be reality for that price point and that specific area and that time. But that is not reality to what Edmonton's real estate market is. That is not a reality as to how you get your clients. So a lot of younger agents that end up coming into the industry, they end up leaving a year later because they don't have the money for marketing because marketing is expensive. So they try to do it themselves. They are overwhelming, overwhelming themselves with just marketing. So that's the first one. But the second thing is they have really no sphere of influence of people who are in the market to buy at that time. Agents that are coming into the, or coming into the industry at a younger age end up uh, networking and educating a lot longer with their clients than somebody who comes in at the age of 30. A lot of their friend groups are buying houses at their, this time. They're getting second jobs. They're having kids. They're expanding. That is a lot easier than an 18-year-old, basically, coming out of high school and telling people, trust me, trust me, trust me with the biggest purchase of your life. So a sphere of influence is anyone that's around you. And what a lot of people don't realize is that is mom. That's dad. Mom and dad will talk you up. I sure hope your mom and dad will talk you up. I know my parents talk me up sometimes. I'm like, you talk me up a little bit too much, mom. But your parents talk you up. Your brothers, your sisters, your siblings, they talk you up. Your family, friends, influence, coworkers. That for me was my biggest fear. When I started real estate, the amount of people I networked within the city of Edmonton, that was how I started my business. Actually, I'm going to tell you this story. But when I started real estate and I got my license, I demoted myself from a management position with the city of Edmonton to a part-time lifeguard. I shouldn't really say demoted myself because that's a little negative. I dropped down. I didn't want a full-time role anymore. I wanted to really experiment with real estate. But at the same time, I was not ready to give up that bi-weekly paycheck because it, that it, it's very hard. Having that for so long and not having that and having to come up with that on your own, again, one book, overwhelming. So uh, I lifeguarded and I wouldn't say I'm a morning person, but I can be a morning person. And I was working at one of the city of Edmonton facilities and they asked for my availability and literally, and if you've been a lifeguard for the city of Edmonton and you know the game of seniority, the longer you have been a lifeguard, the more seniority you get and the more you almost feel entitled for the better shifts. I was in this place. So they gave me an availability form and I said, I do not want to work afternoons. I do not want to work nights. I want to work early mornings. I did that strategically. The reason I wanted to work early mornings was I know that people love me first thing in the morning. I'm quite bubbly. I can start people's day off in a very positive light, as well as I like to really connect with people older than myself. And at that time, when I was working at this pool, we had early morning lane swim, which we had a complete, very beautiful demographic of people from older to younger, from all different races. So I got to touch base with all of them while working on a pool deck. And the other thing that came was there was an aqua size group after a shallow water aqua size group. And if any of my fellow pool nerds out there have ever done an aqua size class with the city of Edmonton or have lifeguarded one, they can get wild. And those participants are quite into it. 
And, you know, I just really networked myself. I danced around that pool deck with the music on. And, you know, I ended up moving five individuals into assisted living homes. Actually, a couple of them weren't assisted living homes, but we ended up downsizing them. But I ended up doing five deals in six months. And that was from just my sphere of influence on a pool deck. And once I hit my sixth deal, that was when I was like, Aaron, you're getting really good at this. You don't need to have another job. Or if you do, we can put that time and energy somewhere better. And that was honestly how I started real estate and how I got into it full time was I had a part time job that I leaned on and I networked through. Now, this is a big conversation that a lot of new agents have is, well, do I have two jobs? Do I have one? Do I go full in? And it really honestly depends on who you talk to. And I also find it depends on what agent you're talking to, whether they're a newer agent, a more experienced agent or a senior agent. Everyone says something different. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I do not think at all there is anything a matter with having a second job and selling real estate at the same time. Now, real estate can be a full-time job. It can be a part-time job. It can be something on the side. And you know what? Edmonton has over 4,000 realtors licensed that pay for actual licensing every year and with brokerages. And I bet you only half of them probably actually practice it. And I bet you anything, it's not even half. Maybe one-third of the agents in Edmonton actually probably practice real estate as a full-time morning-to-night gig. A lot of other agents, they have it as a part-time gig or they have a full-time corporate job, which, you know, they get their benefits, they get their health subsidies, they get their wage, they get all of that. And you know what? Their sphere of influence, mom, dad want to buy a house. Friends want to buy a house. And you know... $5,000 commission check, an $8,000 commission check, even a $3,000 commission check on the side of a full-time job, I'm not sniffing my nose up at that. And I don't think anyone should. I think where that question comes in is, do you need two jobs is, okay, is real estate getting so busy that maybe you don't need that other job for the networking, being in front of the same people every day, but you can put your time and energy elsewhere. I think that is the pendulum of, well, should I have two jobs? Should I not? If your real estate is getting so busy that you really don't need that other job or you can take that energy and that time that you're spending in that job and put it elsewhere, your business is only going to grow. Um, another thing, and actually, it's funny that I'm going to bring this up because as a realtor, I work lots. And I don't want to say that I work I don't even want to say how many hours a week I work. I feel like I work a lot, but a lot of my job doesn't feel like work. The part that feels like work to me is sitting behind the computer and doing the, monot the monotonous paperwork. That is work. But showing homes, hanging out with buyers, sellers, doing walkthroughs, seeing builders, podcasts, videoing, that's fun to me. The actual part of my job is sitting in front of my computer doing the paperwork. That is the difficult part of my job. Now, with real estate, a lot of people think, oh my God, realtors never work. And I hear this all the time, hashtag realtor life. Oh, I went shopping, hashtag, hashtag realtor life. It's not something I do personally. But at the same time, I feel like there's a stigma of people think that realtors really don't work long hours for the amount of money we make. And realistically, 
if I have a client that works a nine to five or any type of corporate job who isn't self-employed, do you think they work around my schedule or do you think I work around theirs? I 100% work around theirs. I have to work around theirs. So real estate to me is not a nine to five. It is an evenings and weekends type of game. A lot of people don't like evenings and weekends. And a lot of people, when they come into real estate, they see these TV shows, they see the big media or how media has spinned real estate. And they think, oh, you know, I'm going to make so much money in a nine to five. You're going to make so much money working evenings and weekends. That is reality. That is real estate. And if anyone tells you anything different, I beg to differ with them because I'm a salesman. You are my client. If you want something and I can't show it to you because you're working, are you going to buy it? Probably not. So we're going to then go on your time. I think that is a big misconception what a lot of people think realtors just have all this time. And we do have time, but we have to utilize our time very well because we work around a lot of our clients' time. And that sometimes is the biggest scheduling conflict ever because, you know, I have a life and I have family and I have friends and dogs and responsibilities and that kind of stuff that I need to fit in my day too. So real estate agents, we are not nine to five people, not in residential anyways. We are evenings and weekends. And a lot of the times they're nine to fives. That's when our training, our brokerage meetings and all that stuff really happens. Another thing that this is more for a buyer standpoint, as well as this is for a new agent, a new realtor to know. One of the biggest deal killers right now in our society for people that are buying homes, and I'm sorry, mom and dad, but it is mom and dad. More specifically, it is the dad. Dads are deal killers 90% of the times. And you know, as a dad wannabe, it hurts me to say this inside, but dads kill majority of real estate deals. And the reason why dads kill majority of real estate deals is when you are house shopping with your parents. Usually moms are a little bit more light and fluffy, but they're a little bit more picky about things. Dads, it doesn't matter if your dad is white collar or if your dad is blue collar, if he knows his stuff, if he doesn't know his stuff. If you bring a dad to a property inspection, your dad is always, nine times out of 10, going to believe in their head they know more than a property inspector. And it is so funny because I'll go to property inspections and people will bring their dad and you see this dad knocking on the walls. And I look at him, like, what the hell are you doing knocking on the wall? Well, I'm just trying to see, estimate like how this house was built and I wanna know like what is the distance between the studs? So you're gonna knock on the wall well, this is how I did it back in my day. And they will knock on that wall and try to find where the studs are. As to where a property inspector will come in with an infrared camera and will look at those things and be able to see past the drywall. A dad will always think that his method is better because it's the old school method. It is the dad method. No one is going to care for their child more than the mom or dad. So parents oftentimes are deal killers. There have been so many times where my client has fallen in love with a house and the property inspection was actually great. But because the parents came to it, mainly the dad, that was a complete decision killer. The dad didn't like the house. The dad didn't like the property inspector. We didn't buy the house. We go back and continue to look. So a lot of people think, well, what's the biggest deal killer? I say it's the parents. And sometimes if a parent's listening to this, they might take that as negative. 
But what I think a lot of parents forget, and it's not a negative, and I don't want to blame it on them, but like as a parent, you genuinely get excited for your kids' achievements. You get excited for their first boyfriend, first girlfriend, first spouse, first marriage. You get first house, first dog, first cat. Your first house is no different, and your parents just want the best for you. When me and Scott have kids, I will probably be the worst dad in the world for going to look at homes while also being a realtor. Like, I have my own opinions. But your parents always want the best for you. Sometimes that's not always the best for the kid. And you know what? It does really hinder decision making when you have a parent in your facing. I don't think you can do that. It's happened to me all the time where... I will bring up something to my mom and dad. They may not like the idea, but you know what? It's a really good idea and I find value in it. But I will go back and I will second question everything I thought because my dad just was like, oh, Aaron, what are you trying to do? You're trying to have everyone look at you and try to be Mr. Popular? I don't understand. And I will go home and I will internalize that. A lot of buyers do the exact same thing with their parents and buying homes. So parents, deal killers. Um. <sighs> This is a big question and I get it all the time. And it's actually a really good question because realtors get paid a handsome penny, needless to say. It honestly depends on the price of the home and all that because we work on commission-based. Now, this is a big topic for a lot of people because when you sell, say, a $400,000 house, and industry standard is if you hired me to list your $400,000 house, I would come in and I would give you a marketing plan. We would talk about how we're going to market that house, the area, blah, 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 all that stuff. I'm not going to give you guys all my juice and information on that right now. But we would go in, have a listing presentation. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I just lost all train of thought. Okay, so... Um, maybe we should just reset that. Yeah, let's recording. reset that. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. All right, ready? Okay, I'm rolling. Okay, one thing I want to talk about, and it's actually, I get a lot of questions about this one, my little radicals, and it is how I get paid or how any realtor gets paid. Now, again, each province is different across Canada. Alberta's real estate industry is self-governed by RECA, which is the Real Estate Council of Alberta. BC, it's governed by the actual government. So in different provinces, things are set up differently. Alberta, I really like that we are self-governed. However, that comes with some challenges and also governing parties really need to kind of hone in on some people. But how commission works in Alberta is if I sell your house, I would charge you 7% on the first 100000 and then 3% on the remainder of that sales price after the first initial $100,000. So on a $400,000 house with marketing, and remember, I pay the marketing costs. I pay all that up front. That is a cost on me. And then when I sell your house and get my commission, then it just, we equal it all out. But marketing, promotion, pictures, 3D walk, throughs, signs, all that jazz is on me. And that's usually about fifteen dollars to $2,000 of expenses up front. Now, for a $400,000 house, that is what my commission will cover. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is when I sell your house, I charge you a commission of two agents. 
And the reason I do that is because all funds have to be dealt with through a brokerage and a trust fund. And it has to be kind of governed and all that wonderful political jazz. So when we do that and I sell your house, I charge 7% on the first 100000 3% on the remainder. Whoever brings me a buyer, so usually it's going to be another agent, whether it's from Remax, Royal Page, or any type of brokerage, or again, from my brokerage, maybe it's a colleague from Century 21 Masters, I split that commission 50-50 down the middle. So really, at the end of the day, I end up collecting 3.5% on the first 100000 and then one, or sorry, yeah, 3.5% on the first 100000 and then 1.5% on the remainder of the balance because I divided that by two. Now, if I have a buyer and my buyer is like, Radical Robinson, I have a budget of $400,000. I got pre-approved. We've gone through all the hoops. Let's go buy me my first house. Then we would go look at houses. I do market analysis on that, on that house as well as to the areas and other houses that are comparable until we found the perfect house. When we offered on it, my commission on that, because I'm not selling it and I'm not having to split my commission because I'm on the buying side, I only charge three and a half and one and a half, which is 50% of that seven and three. So I hope that makes sense. I know that there are other provinces like Ontario, I believe in Toronto, they just charge a full 4% fee on the full purchase price. So a lot of different provinces have different rules. I'm just talking about Edmonton. I work on a seven and three. And if I sell your house, I split that down the middle with the buyer or the buyer agent or whoever brought that buyer to me. If I am on the buying side, then I take, because I don't have to split anything, I get three and a half and one and a half. Sometimes that does change. You know, I sometimes give out a little bit of a family friend discount. But what a lot of people don't realize, I think what a lot of people see is that high number of, oh my God, he just made an $8,000 commission, which is great. That is sometimes a lot more than a full-time corporate wage. But what a lot of people don't realize is those upfront marketing costs are all on me. So take automatically, we'll say $2,000 off the top of that. So now that $8,000 has gone down to $6,000. Now I also have brokerage fees and depending on what brokerage you're with, they might take a split or whatnot, so you have brokerage fees, you have MLS fees. So let's say now we take another thousand off of that. So now my $8,000 commission check after expenses and everything to sell your house and to give you that service you needed now has put my commission at the end of the day down to five. Now I have business expenses and all of that. So when people look at realtors and they're like, oh, you make so much money, like $8,000 commission or more, Yes, it's very true, but there are a lot of expenses that come out of that commission. So I would say if I make a commission, after I pay my expenses, I usually come home with about 50% of that. So $8,000 commission check after I pay my expenses for the marketing, then I pay uh, website fees and brokerage fees, MLS fees, uh, scheduling, just stuff to help my business grow. I would say I take home about half to two thirds of that. Now, that could be more, it could be less, it kind of depends. But that's kind of the realm of commission in Edmonton. People sometimes charge more, but if anyone is going to charge you any more than seven and three to sell a house, they better be giving you some type of freaking amazing service. There are a lot of 
realtors out there that are like, oh, you, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and I charge a surprise. So, you know, uh, I get to, I get them to charge or I tell them we need to do a $5,000 or $10,000 buyer signing bonus. Well, I get half of that. But what are you, what are you offering that's any different? What are your, what are your features to offering that? So there are realtors out there that charge more. Industry standard is seven and three to sell a house to buy is three and a half and one and a half. People will charge more. But if you're going to go with somebody that charges more, you better believe that their marketing plan, the way that they market themselves, their business, uh, in print, online, needs to be above top notch because you're paying above industry standard. So that is commission. Uh, there are a lot of things about this real estate industry that I really honestly wish I knew before I entered it. But you know what? Hindsight is twenty twenty. I feel like if I did know those things, I would have had a much different journey than I have had now. It may have been easier, but I feel like other things would have been harder. So with that said, I hope everyone found, finds value in what I'm saying and also the experiences that I've been having in real estate. I think it is an amazing career, but at the same time, it is what you make of it. If you think you're going to enter real estate and make a shitload of money and only work 15 to 20 hours a week, I'm sorry, but you are very sadly mistaken. This is an industry where it's just not a nine to five. You, you get what you work for. And that is most of the time around the hour work, whether it's answering emails at nine o'clock, answering emails at nine o'clock, working around other people's schedules, it takes hustle. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that you can do it without the hustle. And if you don't got the hustle, you got nothing. Anyways, you guys, thank you very much for joining me today again for my podcast on things I wish I knew about the real estate industry. And until next time, I have a bunch more podcasts planned. We have some special guests. So I'm very excited to be on this journey with you guys. Uh, that's really about it. I love you all. Big Radical out. <laughs>